This fall, we celebrate the fifth anniversary of Timberlake Online and the commitment we have to leverage technology to spread the love and truth of Jesus to those who might not ever get a chance to hear it. Five years ago, we took what had been a simple live feed of our services and launched our online campus, which included a built-in Bible, interactive message notes, live prayer, and so many more service resources. But what really transformed this into a campus was the live chat and the online small groups, where people in all walks of life could come together and experience Jesus as a community. Within its first three months, we went from 20 attenders per weekend to over 600. People were being reached, lives were being transformed, and we were reimagining what church could look like. Fast forward three years to March of 2020, and the pandemic changed the world. Our online services became an incredibly essential avenue to engage our community. And that community grew as many more families flooded in looking for a solid online option for experiencing Jesus. The world embraced this new reality that church can come to you wherever you are. Currently, our Sunday experience reaches an average of 3,500 families every weekend. Since its inception, total attendance has hit over half a million in all states and 162 countries. In the last year alone, 253 people have started their walk in faith with Jesus, and that's what it's all about. Timberlake is dedicated to reaching the lost, welcoming all, and helping people find their next right step. And it's all thanks to you. Thank you for your faithfulness, your generosity, and your continued engagement. And happy five-year anniversary to Timberlake Online. Yeah, we can give him a hand. And do want to uh, welcome those watching online. Ben, I'm the lead pastor. Glad that you are here. Uh, we are wrapping up a series. By the way, isn't this sort of a weird, uh, when it comes to Seattle athletics, isn't it sort of a weird season? If, if I would have said a couple years ago, hey, uh, you know, uh, it's great to see Seattle doing so well, you would say, yeah, the Hawks are great, aren't they? And now it's the Mariners. Yeah, yeah, and uh, we've only been waiting a few decades. It's been awesome. Uh, But anyway, that has nothing to do with what I was going to talk about. But uh, we are finishing up a series uh, called Fix This. As we've been looking at uh, primarily marriage and dating uh, relationships and how to uh, move forward uh, as well as uh, see what God can do with some of our past issues and struggles as well. Uh, Today, I'm going to talk about something that I will admit uh, I was reticent to talk about. It's not because it's that controversial, uh, and that has to do with parenting. Uh, And it's not because of my kids. My kids are great. I have two daughters. They're grown. Uh, They are doing well in life. They love Jesus. There's so many good things that are happening in their life. It's because I know uh, that there's a large number of you, the largest in our history, uh, where you're uh, single, you're not married, uh, you're maybe not looking uh, to get married, or you don't have kids. And I understand that, uh, but I would encourage you to hang with me uh, during this message. Uh, next week, I'm kicking off a brand new series called Lead Where You Are, uh, based on Second Timothy in the Bible. Uh, I know you're going to enjoy it. In fact, I have been uh, working on this message. I've given it in a couple different places uh, for the last six months. And so you won't want to miss it. It's going to be awesome. Uh, Week two may be really bad, but week one is going to be awesome. Uh, I think you're going to enjoy it. 
Well, when it comes to uh, kids and navigating, well, I just want to do a little bit of a, a survey here. I always like to do this. Uh, how many of you are here and you have little kids? They're not in school yet. Any of you there? Okay, there are fewer of you. Nine o'clock service was full, uh, and they'd been up already for three hours. Uh, uh, so, uh, and then it, it decreasing the, during the day. How many of you have elementary or like high school age kids? Okay, a lot, a lot of you. Yeah, they slept in today. That's awesome. Uh, how many of you uh, have kids who are out of the house? You are empty nesters. All right, you, you look so happy. Uh, I had someone once ask me, you know, hey, how long did it take you to adjust to being an empty nester? And I said, it was a good 45 minutes. Those were, they were tough, uh, but got through it. Uh, and uh, we all have different sort of experiences. And what I want to look at is navigating parenting realities no matter where you are. In fact, those of you who are empty nesters, there is uh, the least amount of information to help you but it is really significant who you are as parents, maybe some of you even as grandparents, uh, or maybe just as, as you're looking to get married, maybe someday and maybe have kids, um, that you want to start out right. Uh, and there really is, it's not, every way is not the right way. We know that because uh, we've seen kids who turn out great and kids who struggle. I also want to say this as a disclaimer. There are good Christian people who try their best and their kids struggle. And it doesn't necessarily mean you did uh, something wrong. It just, we, we realize that they make their own decisions. What I want to do is I want to increase the likelihood that you find more success as a parent uh, than you would have, or maybe you thought you could have based on your past actions uh, or experience. It says in Proverbs 24, 3, by wisdom a house is built and through understanding it is established. We know that it takes wisdom uh, to, to parent. Uh, we're told in First Chronicles about the men from Issachar, men who understood the times. Uh, and there it's talking about how, how we would respond differently in different seasons. And, and as I go through this first section, uh, as we look at uh, new realities to navigate, uh, I, I want to let you know I'm positive about the future, positive what God's going to do, but it'll seem a little more negative because the challenges are different. And if you're here and you say, well, you know, I parented my kids, how the last 30 months are, it would be, three decades worth of change. So it, it, it is different than you ever experienced. And I understand that. We've all had to navigate uh, different realities. My friend Rick Enlow, who speaks here sometimes, uh, he tells the story of a friend who was applying at a preschool childcare center for a job, was a little nervous about it, a little bit rushed, and uh, because there was this application, how, you know, what you believed about different things even. And uh, he, he describes that she was going through it, going a little fast, and she got to a question, what do you believe about corporal punishment? Uh, and she really wasn't thinking. And you know how your mind can transcribe things? And she thought the question said, what do you think about capital punishment? 
And she was like, well, this is sort of weird that they're asking me my political views. Uh, but she filled out the question and she uh, answered that question. What do you believe about corporal punishment? But she answered it. If someone does something bad, they should die for it. She did not get the job at the childcare center. Uh, now, what are the new realities that we navigate as parents? Uh, the first one is COVID impacts. And I know even as I say that, some of you are tired of it, most of us are, but it is a reality we deal with, have dealt with, still deal with uh, today, is that uh, there's, people get way too political when it comes to the issue of COVID, but we, we realize COVID disease, a uh, number of people died from it. Uh, most of us at some point had it. And there were all sorts of responses. Were they good or bad? I don't know. I don't even care at this point. Uh, but there have been impacts to our children. Uh, and I know some of you might think, well, you're, you know, you're one of those people. You're, you know, you don't know. I believe COVID is real. I was vaxxed, vaxxed, vaxxed again. Uh, even took my, uh, my final uh, booster shot along with my anti-zombie medicine. You know, <laughs> some of you are, no, I don't really believe that just in case you're thinking I do. Uh, but, but the reality as we've tried to protect ourselves, protect our kids, uh, there were some impacts to it. Uh, one was educationally. Uh, that we know, and this is universal, left, right, we all know that kids, there were substantial, uh, kids fell behind at a substantial level in America uh, during, educationally, uh, depending on different areas, but there was a big impact educationally. Now, I know your kid may be the exception. You may have Copernicus. You're, that's awesome. They may have picked up Italian and uh, Portuguese during the pandemic, learned how to computer program. That's wonderful. That's the experience of almost no parent educationally. And so you, so there's impacts that you're trying to deal with. There's also the social mental health impacts. Huge increase in uh, people seeking aid for mental health, kids development, wearing a mask, trying not to get COVID, good thing. But uh, a lot of kids didn't learn how to read facial expressions. And so developmentally, there have been some issues. And this is different. It's not good nor bad. It's just different. It is, it happened. And so how do we help our kids as they're struggling? Now, the second one uh, is, might be a little more controversial, but it, it's educational partners are now trust but verified. And here's what I mean. We have, by the way, we have a large number of uh, school principals who attend here, teachers. Uh, I hope that you are uh, kind to them uh, for sure. Uh, they're having to navigate this as well. Uh, my wife and I are both uh, products of public schools. Uh, we, our kids, for the most part, we had one child who went to a private school for a couple of years, but uh, went to public schools as well. For the last 30 months, there's been a change that literally is greater than the last four to five generations that preceded it. So maybe a hundred years or more. And it's sort of how we deal with education. What's the role of the parent? What's the role of the school? And there's all sorts of reasons and rationale. Uh, a lot of it, uh, some of it I agree with it. Most of it I really don't. Uh, where, where we have converse, there's conversations with our kids that we're not part of. And sometimes some people believe we can't be part of. 
And so uh, here's what I mean, is that you, it's more important than ever to be involved in your kid's education. Uh, and that goes for private schools as well. And I know some of you are like me. I have to admit, I was one of those dads. I went to the parent associations, but every time they said, do we have any volunteers? I would get real small. <laughs> and I would be like, oh no, I don't want to do this. Please, I'm too... But, but it's important that we just... That, that we actually seek out information that otherwise may, we may not get, may not even be shared with us when it comes to how our kids are doing, how they're processing life, how they're processing everything. And so that is a reality that you're dealing with. And my hope is not that you'll be a jerk. <laughs> if you feel called to do that, please tell them you go to another church, not to Timberlake. But, I, my, but that you would be more involved, that we'd have people even on our school boards who, uh, who go to Timberlake. And so, so we want to be involved primarily, though, in our own child's education. Ask them questions. The third part is displacement and pluralism. The reality is, is that more people have moved in the last 30 months than in any period like it before. Uh, we've seen tons of people move in. We've seen tons of people move out like never before. And you might be one of those. And so your, your child has come here uh, during COVID. They were studying at home. And now, uh, so they, they don't have the friendships. They're feeling really displaced. Um, and also people are coming in from all sorts of different faith backgrounds. That's always been our experience here. I actually, in the last few weeks, have met a couple families who are from a smaller group, religious groups that I hadn't heard of, which is rare for me. I, that's sort of what I study uh, from, you know, Africa and, um, you know, Asia, other places. So there's great opportunity in that, by the way, too. I don't necessarily view that as, as a bad thing. But you have to understand is that the reality has changed. So how do we move forward? I think we find in Deuteronomy, when it comes to the core instructions of God, when it comes to not only the, the big 10, the 10 commandments, but how we navigate a relationship with God, we find some instruction in how we engage as parents. It says, hear, O Israel, the Lord your God is one. Now, let's not go too quickly past that. That's a key teaching in the Bible. And this is where it will run against some impulses. I get the impulse towards, you know, you hear this. Well, all, all religions are the same, all of that. And I get what you're trying to say is, I don't want to be a jerk to people who believe differently. But what you're saying is inaccurate. And if you meet any Muslim, Buddhist, Jewish person, it radically, Hindu would be radically offensive to them because they believe their system is the right way. They don't think that's kind. They think that's nonsensical. And as a Christian, the same as well. So I understand not wanting to be a jerk, but it's sort of like this. It's sort of, there's a right, it, the kind thing is the thing that leads people to health and to hope and to God. 
And that's why I believe proclaiming Jesus Christ is not just a way, it's the way. Jesus says, I'm the way and the truth and the life. It would be like this. Just apply it to some other area of your life. So uh, I've been thinking, not acting about, hey, I really need to uh, start eating right and getting in shape. And so I was going to go to this place I'd gone before, this sort of diet program on Monday. It's, It's absolutely horrible, but it works. And uh, so last night in my house, I had this, uh, like this bowl full of uh, mini Reese's peanut butter cups. And I thought having these around the house would be horrible if I'm trying to get in shape and lose weight. And so I said, well, you know, so I can throw them away or... <laughs> yeah, and so, uh, and, and the funny thing is, if you said, oh, Ben, I know you really like them, it's okay, you'll be okay, that'll make you healthy. What you said would be untrue and unkind, and for the wrong person, would lit- could literally kill them. That's not being kind, that's being untruthful and hurtful. And so God says there's a way, there's one God who loves you, who created you, who sent his son on the cross to die for you. That was long. Okay, it says, love the Lord your God with all your heart and your soul and with all your strength. These commands that I give you today are to be on your hearts. And then this, impress them on your children. That's what I'm talking about. Uh, Talk to them when you sit at home, when you walk along the road, and when you lie down and when you get up. It's, It's saying, hey, why don't you make this part of your life? And, and that's what I want to look at today is how we go on that journey towards effective parenting uh, for kids at any age. Uh, the first step is really to be involved but not be intrusive. Uh, and this, this, I know this may rub some of you the wrong way either way, is that we should be involved at every level. But there's, we're involved in different ways, in different stages in our kids' life. It says in Colossians 3.21, fathers, do not embitter your children or they'll become discouraged. How, how do we embitter? Is, is we uh, operate in a way that's not appropriate for where they're at. There are four stages of being a parent. And this is really helpful, was helpful to me to understand where you're at. The first stage with young kids is you are a caregiver. And by the way, each of these stages have a relationship between uh, high authority uh, and high friendship. This first stage is obviously high authority. You, make, you, you do everything, you care for them, you feed them, you clean up after them. It's not really friendship. We may feel like we're friends with our infant. Hopefully we're developing a relationship, but it's not a friendship as we would say. The second stage is director. This is where you're telling your kids what to do. And some of you may disagree with me on this, but I would appeal not only to scriptures, but actually to generations of uh, educational understanding and social psychology and psychology. Most people would say, not most, I mean pretty much anyone would say, that young kids before maybe seven or eight, it depends on the age, that they are concrete thinkers. They have a hard time with abstract concepts applying them. That's just a fact. There's not not a lot of controversy around that. So how you deal with a child during that stage 
should be different. And this is where even some of the educational stuff where I would vary greatly because it's just an understanding of child development. So uh, kids at that age, they, they can't draw broad principles. So uh, some people would call this the king and queen stage. That, you know, mom and dad, you're the king and the queen. Uh, and by the way, uh, during that stage, the king and the queen should not discuss the rules of the kingdom in front of the little subjects because they will use it against you. They will do that. Uh, and so uh, this is really important. Uh, now, we've all known people who've been too harsh, who've continued this too long. If, if you continue this stage of parenting too long, your child will uh, develop what I call learned helplessness. Because unless you tell them what to do, they won't know what to do. If you skip this stage, it's camp chaos, and your, your kid will be emotionally underdeveloped, maybe for the rest of their life, because they don't feel any sense of security. And here's the thing, we think, it's sort of like this, I, and I've heard this, I just think you should let kids choose whatever they want. And I'm like, what are you thinking? Have you, 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 you must have never had a child. Because if you take, go ahead, tell your three and a half year old, let them decide to do what they feel like they want to do. Let them choose dinner every night. You will eat Twizzlers for the rest of your life. Like that, that is just, just, that's just, I won't say it. Last service I called it stupid. I won't call it stupid this service. But anyway, uh, the, uh, I just did. And so, no, you, you have to. You ha if you're a, it's bad parenting not to do this. But then you have to develop into the coach stage. And then this is where, and there should be friendship and authority in all these stages, but it should be decreasing authority, increasing friendship. This is where they can start to draw their own principles out. You're helping them in how they move forward in life. Um, and we allow them to make decisions. And sometimes you won't, it won't matter if you allow them or not. Um, and then the final stage is the friend stage, which is some people call that the payoff. Uh, and it really is uh, great. It's wonderful where our daughters are now. Uh, they both uh, have their own places. They've moved out of the house, uh, which is a good thing for them, good thing for everyone. And so, uh, but we, like we had dinner every uh, last Monday and Monday night before. We have dinner together. We talk, we have a family chat. It's just a wonderful relationship. Are we perfect parents? No, especially me. My wife is a way better parent than I am. Are kids perfect? No, they're great though. Has it been up and to the right the entire time? No. But if you work this, you'll have a higher likelihood of seeing them be the kind of people that you hope them to be. You know what gets in the way with this usually? Our egos. Because what we want, you see this in two places especially. Youth sports. Have you ever seen parents in youth sports? Yeah, if you don't know what I'm talking about, you're that crazy parent. Uh, and then in education, is you, we see this. Around here, we say, I know this, a little more silent there. Because you believe if your kid does not go to MIT, they will not accomplish anything. They will. They'll be okay. Uh, 
it, they can do well uh, in, in life. I'm not anti-education. I have my bachelor's, master's, doctorate, teach at universities, all of that kind of stuff. I'm pretty much in that field. But I'm telling you that we need to take a chill pill. I think that's what it says in the Bible, chill pill. When it comes to education. I mean, I know I, I, I live in the Sammamish area and we had, I mean, uh, unfortunately, we had some academically related suicides. I think because of the pressure. I, I heard what was seen, different administration in schools now. But at the time, the kind of pressure I heard, I was frightened. Because we need to understand not everyone's going to be able to do that. And that expectation is psychologically damaging. So that doesn't mean your kids don't have the opportunity to, to do well but well according to how God created them. Push them to achieve, but their goals, how God's created them and not yours. That means your kids who's the best player on the baseball team, if they're the best on the baseball team the last two or three years, that's great. They still have almost no chance of ever playing in the major league. So just chill on that a little bit. Academics, I have a buddy of mine, I, I lead a group of uh, Christian C-suite executives, people who run some of the largest companies around here. Almost none of them went to an Ivy League school. In fact, I think one in the whole group. So your kid can go uh, and, be, and be okay. I, a buddy of mine who's a corporate vice president at Microsoft, I think he's almost earned an associate's degree from a community college. Has lots of people from Caltech, MIT, and Harvard who work for him. They can do okay in life. So here's, here's where I was confronted with it. My oldest daughter, uh, she said, I wonder what I should study in college. And I said, let me pray about it. Finance. <laughs> and, uh, so no, literally, that's the, I mean, my whole thing. And, you know, I come from a business, I don't come from a ministry family. I come from a business family. And I'm like, finance, go. I mean, this, I know some of you don't even think I'm a Christian anymore. But, uh, but I'm like, the money isn't money, so go ahead and work there. This is what God wants you to do. She said, you know, uh, I took a finance course. I don't like it. I said, because you haven't taken enough of them yet. <laughs> and then I remember she comes and says, you know, I'm going to change my major to design. And I'm like, no, no. And I'm like, this is going to be horrible. And I really, I did, I, I did a little better, but I wasn't too excited about it. And, uh, but then I realized that's what God, and then late, she went and worked for another company, did well, has started her own business with design and uh, social media management for executives and all that kind of stuff. She's killing it. But you know what would have gotten in the way of her finding career success, even f more financial success than she would have happened? is had I stepped in and gotten too pushy because I think she would have listened. I would have been a director when I should have been more a coach and a friend. And for us, especially as your kids are older, that is important. Now, if you have a kid who says, yeah, I don't want to do anything. I just want to sit around. The Bible says you do not work, you do not eat. Apply that to them. <laughs> so, uh, but, but it is important that, that we, the, the amount of pressure that goes on, I think is just too much, to be frank. Uh, number two, we need to teach your kid, or you teach your kids how to think. A lot of times we, you know, early on we're teaching them what to think, but more after they get a certain age, it's more, how do I think about things? 
Uh, people have asked me this before. Well, how do you raise pastor's kids? We don't know. We didn't even know how to raise Christian kids. My wife and I weren't uh, Christians growing up. And so what we did is we just talked with them about things. We talked about friends who were struggling with their faith and we prayed for them. And, and we didn't bash them and we're someone who didn't know Jesus and we're like, if they could know the Lord and his forgiveness and his hope, it may not change the situation, but it would change them in the situation. And I think that started to permeate. Now, did they have problems? Yes, yes. And it's their stories to tell. It says this, Deuteronomy 6, 7. Talk about them, God's commands, when you sit at home, when you walk along the road, and when you lie down, and when you get up. That's teaching how to think. I'm going to go through this really quick. I've taken a little too much time. Four stages of faith. This is uh, uh, something, uh, it's by John Westerhoff. It's a book, and he talks about this. The first is experiential. This is preschool, early childhood. It's like you teach your child the Lord's Prayer. Uh, they don't really know what it means, but they're just sort of do it. Uh, the second is association. This is group life. Like you say, hey, we go to church. I mean, in fact, it's great to see so many people here at 10 o'clock Seahawks game. You are awesome. Uh, and so, but you say this is just something we do as a family, is that we go to church. I've shared how my oldest daughter met her husband in, in a growth group we were in. It's sort of cool what happens in the friends, because their friends will have way more influence than you over the years. Especially, so we want to, does that solve every problem? No. Uh, third is searching. And everyone goes through this. Now, for me, I wasn't raised a Christian, so my searching led me away from the new age mysticism of my family and to a personal relationship with Christ and, and where we're coaching them along the way and we are leading towards good resources. And if they've had the experiential and the association, the searching has a foundation. And the fourth is owned. This is where they start to own their faith. And by the way, in our kids' ministry, we focus on this from a spiritual and a child development that we're helping them as they navigate that along the way. Number three, be intentional how you live. We need to be intentional. How are we living? What are our priorities? Where do we put God first? And, and it's very simple. Your kids will learn from you uh, and it will help you honestly to maybe change some behavior about what, what do you think? What are you saying about other people who disagree with you? Are you saying, especially during uh, election periods, which by the way, seem to last forever right now, right? And so we, instead of saying, hey, you know, they believe differently, we believe this. Are those people horrible and unredeemable? That's not what Jesus says. So they're gonna learn from that. It says in Ephesians 5.1, be imitators of God, therefore, as dearly loved children. And one of the things we're gonna find out is that our kids are imitators of us. It says in Galatians 6, 7, do not be deceived, God cannot be mocked. A man reaps what he sows. How I live, I'm gonna see that, so I might wanna see what is the example that I'm setting. You say, hey, what if I messed up in the past? Okay, you don't need to keep on messing up. Do I put God first in my worship, my financial life, with my service in every other area? Um, and so that's really uh, what God calls us 
to do. You can throw up the uh, next one on the screen, uh, the next point, because my computer froze. We can move past that. Okay, number four, fuel their passion to follow Jesus. And that's an important one, is that we want to fuel that. So let's say there's going to be uh, some opportunity. There's a, a, a youth retreat. I would say make that a priority in your planning. That's why we usually tell you when those are in January, because we know you have vacations. God's going to do a lot during that. He'll probably do more than that than in 20 weeks of even attending a, a, a church service. So you want to, what are the things we do to fuel their passion for Jesus? 2 Timothy 1.5, it says, I am reminded of your sincere faith, which first lived in your grandmother Lois and in your mother Eunice, and I am persuaded now lives in you also. And when we do these things, when we fuel their faith, when we get involved, when we teach them how to think, when we look at how we're living, we don't need to be perfect. In fact, sometimes it's saying, hey, you know, I sort of messed up. And I want you to know that God is calling me to live differently. Whatever you do, number five, is enjoy the season that you're in. I know for some of you, it's been a struggle. You have little kids, it's a struggle. That was the hardest time in our marriage. That's when our marriage was the most fragile, quite honestly. Some of you have teenagers and they're a blessing. Some of you have teenagers and it is putting stresses on you like you've never had before. Some of you are got to the empty nest and you understand, hey, I don't even know if we're friends anymore. Whatever the season you're in, maybe you're in a season of rebuilding. Maybe it's after a tough divorce. Whatever the season, say, God, I'm gonna lean into that season. And I'm going to believe that you have a plan for my life, for my kids' life, that I'm not going to say this is the way that other people are going or society is going. But I'm going to help my kids as they navigate these new realities, that they will be happy and whole. And most of all, our prayer, faithful followers of the Lord Jesus who loves them. Will you pray with me? Lord, I thank you for each and every person here. God, I pray for the parents who honestly uh, are struggling a little bit. And God, I just pray that you would uh, give them hope. God, I, I pray for my friends here that they would not just listen, but God, that they would maybe take a step. Maybe it's baptism this next weekend. God, that you would help them as they make that decision to start anew in you to be baptized. God, maybe it's a decision to forgive, to set an example. God, I, I, whatever you're doing, I just pray that we would allow you to do it in our lives. Maybe you're here and you can never remember a time where you've said yes to Jesus. Or you, you're just unsure where you're at. And I, I encourage you in this moment, that if you want to take that step, that you just pray something like this. Silently, I'll pray out loud. You just say, Jesus, I invite you into my life. Jesus, I need your forgiveness. And Jesus, I, I know that there's so much happening in my life and in culture, but I, I submit to you. Even when I don't get it, I, I, I say, God, I want to follow you. 
And the Bible says if we've invited Jesus to be our Lord and Savior, that he's with us every step of the way in this life and the next. If you prayed that and you're online, you can just, just to let the team know so they can help you, press the raise hand button. Or in this room, you would uh, go after service at Connection Center. We have information on what your next steps would be. Lord, I thank you that although it's daunting, this prospect of parenting in just what's been a crazy season. God, I thank you that you give us a church family where we can link arms together, where we can learn together. We have those resources. And God, most of all, that we can worship you together. Father, I thank you for my friends who've taken that step towards you for the very first time today. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening to this week's message podcast. If you'd like to watch the video version of this, visit our online campus at online.timberlakechurch.com, which is live Sundays at 9, 10, 15, 11, 30, and 5 p.m. Pacific time. And don't forget to check out our app for a one-stop solution for all things Timberlake. Thanks again, and I hope to see you this weekend.